myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Tell you something I think you'd like to hear. Tatis is coming back. Will he be a fart in the wind? Will he be a fart in the wind? Or will he pick up where he left off? Welcome to the Long Gone Podcast. It's me, Michael, and with me, as always, singing some Beatles, which I love. Yes, man. Yeah. What up? Be Ford. Decided to go Beatles uh, this week because uh, February 9th marks the 50, uh, 59th anniversary of the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. Goddamn so, right, Steve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's a method to my madness here. Yep. And uh, yeah, decided to go with a little, little early Beatles. Beatlemania. Uh, actually, Beatlemania, as we're recording this, uh, kind of kicked off, kicked into high gear uh, uh, today. February 7th uh, is when they uh, arrived at JFK uh, Airport. Um, First time there in the states to get ready for the Ed Sullivan show, so there you oh. go. Thank you, Casey Kasem. Yeah, you know the, the more you know, right? Right. <laughs> I do what I can. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I love go, Beatles. Go. Beatles are the fucking. At least it's not Scott Rowland, right? Of all time. At least it's not Scott Rowland. It's not Scott Rowland. While people are getting ready to go with the Super Bowl, right? They're putting in their. <laughs> Bavada picks on uh, bavadasportsbook.com right. to uh, see who's going to win between the Eagles and the Chiefs, right? But a lot of people aren't talking baseball because football's still in the air. But once Man. football goes this weekend, once that Super Bowl Sunday passes, baby, it's there. It is. It's, it's NASCAR season. It's NASCAR season. <laughs> and then, you know, it's uh, it's baseball. Yep, yep. At least in our eyes, it is. I know people will start looking towards college basketball or whatever March Madness and. Daytona is kicking off, but you know what? Once the football wraps up here on Sunday, my eyes turn to uh, to Florida and Arizona and uh, spring training. So. Full-time baseball, baby. Yep, let's go. But yeah. we are talking about top prospects in baseball. A lot of uh, top prospects have been named yes. invites into spring training this year, which is pretty dope. Kind of some some surprises, for sure. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. One being Jackson Holiday, I was surprised he got invited. I see why he did because yeah. they're the Baltimore Orioles top prospect, but it is very weird that he looks yeah. 15 years old and being. <laughs> I think they're just going to look younger and younger, Mike. The older and older that we get here, yeah, so that's very yeah. sad. That's bit. very sad. Bit. But there's been some good ones, right? I mean, there's yeah. there's been yeah. some good ones that have been invited uh, out with the the Pirates. You got Terramar Johnson. Mm. Yep. Number 26 yep. overall prospect. He's been invited to camp as well as Henry Davis, right-hander yep. Quinn Priester, Nick Gonzalez, who I'm thinking is probably going to make his debut finally for the P- yep. Pirates sometime this year. Yep. Right? Uh, Volpe. So, yeah. Volpe yep. for the for the Yankees. Uh, oh, J-Dom. Jason Dominguez. Wow. Finally. Yeah, I feel yeah, like we've been talking about that guy for years. <laughs> I know. I thought he was going to kind of be up when Julio Rodriguez came up. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because okay. you, every time you heard about Julio Rodriguez, you also heard of Jason Dominguez. Yep. That's true. That's true. And I'm, uh, I'm just, just going, going through the list here. Oh, hey, Mike, I, I finally found a tiger. Who? Cool. Jackson Joe. He came in at 63. 
63 on MOB's yeah. prospects. Top, top 100, yeah. Yeah, he is the, 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 the Tigers' the highest. <laughs> top prospect, which I think they were very underselling him because I do I think, so think he's one of the better prep arms that came a couple years ago that got drafted. So I the fact him. that he's not even a top 50 guy kind of sucks. But he didn't he didn't pitch a lot last year. No, no, and I saw him a bit when he was with the Whitecaps. So mm-hmm. I got to see him in person a couple of times, and he's good. He's got some really, really good stuff. Um you know, very good uh deceiving pitches. So I think mm-hmm. you know he, he's gonna he's gonna do well and it'll be good to see him for a full season up here this season. So. Right, yeah. It, it very much will be. I mean this will be kind of I remember when Casey Mize got drafted and mm-hmm. and then finally when he it was the year after he got drafted where his name he started pitching a little bit more in Jackson Job he will be pitching more. I mean you're hoping to at least get to say the Erie Seawolves by yeah, by year's definitely. end. Yeah. And then the yeah. year after that would be okay. Let's get his jump to AAA, and then possibly getting into the majors after that. So we'll see. There's been some other nice big, uh, big prospects coming up. Pete Crow Armstrong for the Cubs. Oh, yeah, he's finally made his. He's going to be invited to spring training for for the Cubs, and then yeah, it's cool seeing him. I got to see him in person as well. When he yeah, that uh, that white cap single A. Uh, well, is that high A now? High A. Yeah, right. It's high A. So. Yeah, he, he's fun to watch too. There's some good ones. I mean, there's definitely some good ones in there. Matt McLean for the Reds. Yep. He's another one. Obviously, you're going to be starting to see Kumar Rocker, Jack yep. Leiter. Those people yep. are obvious, yeah. and they're old, they're a little bit older prospects, so they might mm-hmm. be making their debuts within this year and or next year. It's kind of we're at this point where spring training because right now pitchers and catchers are reporting, and then about that the time end- it is, man, I can't believe it. I, I dude, I can't believe it either. Yeah. I mean, we're we're getting pretty close to spring training games coming, and it's good. Everybody's starting to feel the boiling up yep. to the to yep. the to opening day coming within the next couple months. So it's we're getting there, and it's, it's cool. It's cool seeing these prospects who won't make the team coming out of camp. Right. But there, I mean, there's guys that I always wondered if they're just killing it every time at the plate in the field. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I've seen that yep. happen, and then they end up being still demoted yeah (laughs) so because they're just not ready because you are going against other prospects i mean it's not like you're always facing mlb caliber players exactly exactly it's you know just like a a minor league game for scrimmage so you know so to speak you're not going up against garrett cole or right uh you know high-end major league pitchers like that you're most likely going against the other team's minor leaguers as well so right you're right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. when Aaron Judge steps up to the plate, he's going sometimes <laughs> against a prospect. So that's why people really yeah. like spring training, because they yep. get to see the mix of both yep. young and veterans kind of being in there and Ooh. facing off against each other. And sometimes you get those matchups. I mean, you'll get an Aaron Judge versus you, Darvish or yep. you know, something like that. You'll get yep. those big those big matchups, of course. But they're far and few. And, and yeah. also, I mean, it, a lot of these teams, the players don't play full games. I mean, no. I don't think I've ever seen Miguel Cabrera play a full spring training game. I mean, usually he's no. in there for an inning, maybe two, a couple of bats, yeah. and then he's gone. I mean, that's yeah, the just only kinda... time the only time they play close to it is maybe the last couple of games leading up to the season is where they'll put their their A list out mm-hmm. there, uh, you know, for at least half the game. But yeah, you never see people like Miguel Cabrera play more than two or three innings tops. Right. You Mike know, Trout, same way. They they don't they they don't want to injure their players. But you don't want to Mike Trout does spring training. Right. <laughs> well, but you don't want to see those players no. also be 
injured in spring well, training. Like what happened like, to Riley Green with the Tigers uh, last right. year, remember? He was uh, hands down was going to make the team, and then he fractured his foot. <laughs> There's always the that, ball. too. Yeah. And you've seen that. You've seen that with pitchers even where – They'll blow out their arm and then Tommy yep. John surgery. I, the, that's I, and it happens in every sport. Every preseason has that where yep. football has stars get knocked out of preseason games and they're gone for months or yep. the whole season. Uh, same thing with basketball. Same thing with uh, hockey. I mean, you see this in the in the the early games. So baseball is no exception. So that's why you want to limit your pitchers' innings. You want to because you're trying for both sides, not just veterans but prospects. Because you want them to be able to have full seasons in the minors. Jackson Job isn't going to con- complete a whole fucking game out there. Grayson Rodriguez no. for the Baltimore Orioles isn't going to be doing well. I'm pitching a no no. Who gives yeah, a I'm shit? Pitching Spring a no-no. training. Let's keep it going here. All right? <laughs> They're not going to, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah. spring training, the coaches, the scouts, teams want to get a good look at what they've invested in. Yep. And that's the great part about spring training coming up, especially for prospects. So yep. I'm excited to see some of these top prospects get in there for sure. Yeah, I am too. I'm too. Bring on the games. Let's do this. Oh yeah. I, the games, the games, I just can't wait till it happens because I feel like we haven't had baseball in a minute. There's people like, I don't think we're going to see Ronald Acuna much in spring no. training. People like that who's had injuries last year, Ozzy Elbies. I don't think we're going to see a lot of him. I, I think a lot of those guys are going to be kind of sitting because they've had injury plagued seasons, right? And they need a full time to kind of recuperate. So that makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. But with your with your favorite team, it's fun, even though you're not seeing your stars out there. It's cool to see a glimpse into your your future and what you got to look forward to. So, is there any, and not just Tiger related? Is there any prospects that you are kind of looking forward to seeing in spring training. Honestly, because you and I, I have the MLB uh, MLB package, so we we do get the spring training games there mm-hmm. and watch uh, any team. I'm curious to see uh, uh, Dominguez there with with the Yankees. Um, you know, I want to see a little bit uh, uh Marcelo Mayer there with with the Red Sox. That would be uh, kind of cool. Hopefully, uh, is is he going to spring training or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah Marcelo Mayer should be yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's 20 years old. He's yeah. in high A ball, so I'm sure he's going to be invited. Yep. Definitely. I mean, you're going to see guys that who are competing for roster. I mean, they want to be able to be on opening day roster yep. Yep. and not just the 40-man roster. I mean, they want to be sitting in the dugout. I mean, we're talking yeah. Gunnar Henderson for yeah. the Baltimore Orioles, who's the number one prospect. You're talking Corbin Carroll. Yep. For the Diamondbacks, Francisco Alvarez for the Mets. I mean, you're talking Jordan Walker for the Cardinals. They want to be on that opening day depth chart. Yep. I'm looking at seeing people like Sal Fralick for the for the Milwaukee Brewers, Brooks Lee for the Twins. I mean, he's 21 years old. I'm suppose I'm sure he'll get an invite. Oh yeah. It's people like that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I mean, Terramire Johnson for sure. Anybody that the Pirates are putting out because <laughs> they have a hall of prospects. I don't know if Drew Jones, I mean, he's 19. Jackson Holiday got invited to the Orioles, but I don't know if Drew Jones exactly will be with the Arizona Diamondbacks in their spring right. training. I think he was hurt the last time okay. that any news has come out about him. So okay. Jordan Lawler with the Diamondbacks. So, yeah, it's that time of year. And it, you talk that, you talk draft, you talk kind of a lot of things. So, well, another good news yeah. spreading across the league. We, the Dodgers, they're going to retire. I thought this would be kind of an important note that they're going to be retiring Fernando Venezuela's uh, number 34. Well, about freaking time. I mean, I, I was surprised his number wasn't retired to begin with. I am you know, too. Just 
looking at his looking at his stats and everything he did for the Dodgers. I mean, uh, you know, I wasn't alive at the time, but Fernando Mania there uh, mm. uh, there in 1980, 80, 81, right around that time, it was right. uh, it was it was quite quite the thing. So, um, it's it's it, yeah, it's about time. Uh, I'm looking at everything he's done. He won the Cy Young, Cy Young, and Rookie of the Year in '81. You believe that? That's unbelievable. As as a rookie, he comes in and gets the highest pitching award that you can get. Mm-hmm. You know, just a, a fa- fantastic stretch there. Uh, you know, twenty win twenty one win season in eighty six. Yep. Uh, and during that time, he pitched twenty complete games. Uh, in eighty six, that you that's unheard of now. Yeah, unheard yeah. of. Just uh, a, a bulldog there. Just just kept playing that decade of the eighties. He was, you know. We we talked about Oral Hershiser, who was great, but Valenzuela was right there too, as uh, you know, the horses there at that Dodger pitching staff. So he was kudos, and, to, kudos to him. Absolutely, kudos to him. One of their better lefties of all time, being a ten-year Dodger. I mean, we uh, talked about a couple weeks ago, or was it last week? No, it was a couple weeks ago. We talked about the best pitchers yep. of the '80s, and Venezuela came close to being on my list for yeah. sure because oh, yeah. I mean he was just. He he killed it. He absolutely yep. killed it. He was a very very accomplished pitcher in the eighties. Uh, one Cy Young, which is nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, this guy is he he yeah, was he a player, finished, man. He was top three three times though, you know, and top five, if right? You throw, you know, four in there. So, yeah. I mean, I looked at his stats there. Eleven years with the Dodgers, one hundred and forty one wins, ERA three point three one, one hundred and seven complete games, and he threw twenty nine shutouts. I mean that right there. <laughs> Makes me want to rethink my 1980s list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back in time and redo the episode. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's hard though to bump people like Oral Hershiser or Brett Saberhagen or Jack Morris. We're talking about multiple award winners. We're talking about guys that have carried their teams and in Venezuela while he was probably their most notable ace in the 80s. It wasn't right. just him on that. I, I wouldn't say you could put the ball in his hands and he would dominate a game all the time either. No, I, I say Hershiser was that guy for the Dodgers in the eighties. I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, even Clemens in the late eighties yep. there, I mean, doc Gooden, you could always count on him right. to come out and give spectacular innings. So, but Venezuela, I mean, he probably won't be a hall of famer by any stretch of the imagination, no. but I think it's very awesome. That it's very respectful honor getting your, number retired by the Dodgers who is a storied franchise one, yep. but two are very picky with who picky they retire. Exactly. Exactly. So that says something, but you know, if they let Scott Rowland in the hall, hall of fame, they should do you know, that. That's Whaler. They should let, let him. In as well. Right. No, <laughs> don't start that trend. <laughs> you know what? If Scott Rowland can get, don't get me started on Scott. Rowland oh God, in. bro. But if Scott Rowland can get in then anything is possible. Yeah, yeah, we might be seeing. Who knows? We might be seeing uh, <laughs> Venezuela down the road. Then, if that's, oh my gosh! But, but no, he yeah. was a good pitcher. I, yep. I, I, I loved his his release. I loved his pitching mechanics. Uh, his, I loved his, how he. Yeah, he was fun to watch. He was. He was kind of in the in kind of the uh, Juan Marichal yep. kind of yep. thing because he was very exciting to watch, and he was a guy that people paid to see i mean he was the guy when you when people spent tickets to go watch somebody that was it was him he was one of those guys i mean arguably one of the best mexican pitchers of all time so i agree agree. uh, it's he kind of petered out there i mean once he hit the 90s it was kind of uh i think that's why his 354 i mean he would have had probably a low a low three or maybe a two eight two nine if he 
if he continued his 80s stretch but right. once he went with the angels the Orioles, i mean it was just he was team hopping after there, that yeah. right yeah. and he just i don't know if it was ring chasing or what but he just couldn't get that ring other than right. being with the the dodgers there when he yep. won it back in 81 yep yeah what a year there one in 81 cy young rookie of the year and uh i think what dodgers world series champions what a year for him that year <laughs> oh yeah cow. Yeah. yeah, but he is in the Mexican Baseball Hall of Fame, right? So, uh, yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. So, yeah, congrats to uh, Fernando. A well-deserved honor there. Yeah, speaking of wor- working his way back, uh, Tatis is uh, out in the open here. Uh, I think he was at uh, the Fan Fest. I wish the Tigers would bring back Tiger Fest, but uh, San yeah. Diego had one. I think their Fan Fest over the weekend, and Tatis mm. was at that, and you know, seemed to get a, a good ovation. The fans loved uh, seeing him back, and it uh, looks like he's going to be uh, hopefully ready to go here when the season starts. Definitely a redemption year for him, I'd say. Yeah, from yeah. one Fernando to another. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he, he told people he was about as close to 100% as he's been in the last two years with his shoulder, which is good okay. to hear. Okay. So uh, I think that was a big one. I mean, he, that's... He went there and it was kind of cool that the Orioles made or the Orioles, the Padres made him go. Basically, when a lot of players, when they get out in front of the public, yep. they're already pre-coached by the PR team. They're basically right, like, right. hey, don't talk this, don't, don't talk, talk that. This. But yep. I, I love that the Padres are letting him go out there and talk oh. about, yep. hey, just to be open about your injury, be open how you're going to play. Because that's because you didn't really hear from Tatis kind of after he was shut down. Nope, nope. After that suspension came down and he was shut down, then he was pretty much, you didn't hear a peep out of him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, right. Good. Yeah. He was able to get out there and, and talk. And he's going to have to, uh, you know, prove, prove a lot of people wrong. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I was looking at some of the odds. I think he's still one of the higher odds uh, to win uh, MVP and LMVPs right up there with Mookie, I think. Uh, right. As far as, uh, for, as far as the odds. So, uh, the, the betters, you're on Bavada. The betters there uh, are still at their eye on Tatis to pull down the MVP, coming off a uh, uh, not playing at all last year. So this should be this should be fun to see. Right. I mean those those are always high odds. A lot of people always bet who's going to be the. I mean they places like Bavada and what have you do the World Series odds, yeah. and uh, I think we've talked about before. I mean the Dodgers are tops. Uh, Houston Astros are up there. Braves, what have you, and and MVP like you said is no exception. And and if Fernando Tatis comes back and performs well, I don't think he'll be in the MVP ducks just because I think he's coming later, right? I mean he's not going to be ready so. till May June. Did you say? I, let me t- um, pull up. I mean, he's not going to yeah. be right. I mean, he won't be. He'll be before All Star break. Let's put right. it that way. Right. Exactly. He's he's not someone that you uh uh you know you're gonna you're gonna pick high in your fantasy draft and and hope he's right there on opening day and you use a first round pick on. He's someone that yeah he'll get picked in the middle rounds probably because you you know you expect him to be back probably he's gonna probably miss the first couple of months here. I'm thinking. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean yeah. he's. I mean Tatis has a lot to prove to the Padres. That's the way I look at this. Tatis yeah. is. He was young, got a lot of money when he was young. He's still young, but yep. at the same time, it's time for him to grow up. And yep. and when he went to this community outing to visiting this children at a local elementary school, it was kind of weird that it was it was kind of the L.A. Times were there, ESPN. I mean, they yeah. ended up they ended up using that as because they don't get to talk to him much, right? right. So. He was able to say he missed a lot of last year. He missed he missed his teammates. He missed yep. 
he just wasn't looking for he just didn't like that he was not playing which is what you i mean obviously you want to hear that yeah. but he got to talk to his he got to talk to uh his manager right yep. bob melvin so yep. they're ready to go i mean he's ready to rock and roll this year and uh, i mean he's a guy that is i think he'll come in he'll come in and he'll he'll play it right away and the the question yeah. that i want to know is where is he going to play because <laughs> if, you, yeah. if, if you look at shortstop you and I were talking about this. I mean, Bo- they already signed Bogarts to a pretty good deal. Yep. And Bogarts is one of the best shortstop in the American League last year. So yep. what's he going to bring to this year? I mean, are you going to put Bogarts at second? Are you going to put Bogarts at short? Is Tatis best into right or left field? I think I if, if I had to guess, I think he's going to the outfield. I think he played a little bit outfield uh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a, a spot, the, if I had to guess, the spot he'd go is probably, I'd say, right or left field. Um, Which I totally get, right? Yeah. I mean, it's because you can't put Bogarts out there just because his glove oh, is God, actually no. valuable. But I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 I kind of think that there's other people who are expendable, right? Because Jake Cronenworth is is their second baseman, but he can easily switch. But then they've also oh, yeah. been talking about Ha Seung Kim, right? Yep. Where I, I really like him as a fielder, but he sucks at the plate. So right. if I were this team, I wouldn't throw Tatis and left just because I like Tatis's long frame. I mean, you're talking about okay. a guy who's what he's six three. So he's yeah. kind of in the mold of a Cal Ripken, a Derek Cheater, Alex Rodriguez. He's a long guy. Yep. And I want I like bigger shortstops. And and Xander Bogarts is six two, so it's not like he's a slouch either. So right, right. But I, I they probably don't want two long guys up the middle, which yeah. I can kind of understand that too. But I mean, I would put both one of them or one of them at short and one of them at se- at second, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, throw, throw the Michigan man in the outfield, huh, Jake Cronenberg. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd throw I'd throw Jake at first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I throw Jake at first and then figure out who your left fielder is going to be. I mean, right. are your right fielder? I mean, your right fielder can be Juan Soto, but so yep. I'm thinking maybe left field would be somebody like Azakar or Matt Carpenter. I love Matt Ooh, Carpenter. Yep. yep. I forgot about Matt Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Matt Carpenter could very well be up there, even though I think they're considering him more of a first base guy. But, yep. you know, uh, we know Manny's going to play third. So we know what this oh, yeah. infield is going to look like, but I, I just feel like you're. I just feel you would get more out of Tatis if he was a shortstop or a second baseman. Okay. That's right. But I know it's also you don't put big guys at show, at second base. Right. So yeah, I know it's it, it, it's hard for them to be like, well, we're not going to put one of them at second base because it's like a 6'3 second baseman. Like, no yeah. way. No. It's <laughs> not it's not out of the world of possibility. But I, I do think they would rather have somebody like Kim playing second base which or or Jake, uh, Jake Cronenworth. So yep. I don't know. I just know if I had spent all that money, I wouldn't be putting all my money into a left or right field situation. But uh, at the same time, his bat's probably more valuable than his glove. Right, Steve? So oh, I'd say so. Yeah, I think he's there for his offense. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's he's not really, you know, you can he make some sparkling plays in the field. But I think if it comes down to it, it's his bat that they want to see most of all. Uh, right. Line up, so, right. I know that's what I, I watch him for. Yep. <laughs> I'm not, I, I do love his glove, but you are in baseball. If your bat is the best part of your game, yep. no, 
they don't care what you play in some situations. Yeah, they they so. want the guy that hit 42 home runs in 2021. They want that guy out there. They want that guy. Yeah. And, and if I were the Padres, that's what I'd want too, because yep. you were missing that extra little bat there in the yep. end. And I, I think more so their pitching was more of the problem than their, oh, yeah. than their hitting. Uh, because yeah. to me, if I was looking at this, Steve, and we'll be talking about this in a in a couple weeks when we talk about the best third baseman right now, sure. but I think Manny Machado is the MVP of that team. I mean, what oh, he yeah. did last year, how he took control of that clubhouse and was a leader in that clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you can get Manny Machado back to MVP form like he was last year, right. uh, the sky's the limit for this team. And I think people will just follow, naturally follow him. Yep, I, I completely agree. Yep. He's, you know, I, I would call him the captain of this team. I would too. So, I would too. Yeah. Remember when Tatis was him and Tatis? Didn't they butt heads the year Tatis yeah. was actually his year that he was actually playing really good? Yeah, they I think, like no, butt I, heads I think, a little bit. Yeah, I think they did. Of uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Tatis likes to think this is my team, and Manny wanted to be like, ho, 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 wait, yeah, <laughs> I, I got here before you. <laughs> Easy, young fella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's it's Machado's Machado's team here. I mean, they went from. Uh, on you know, under 500 in 2021 when Tetis played the whole season to uh, no Tetis, they almost won 90 games last year, so right, and that's because of uh, you know, Machado's leadership and and uh, bringing the team together, so yeah, yeah, and, it's, his and team. it's his team, and I and I think the World Series odds are are definitely in San Diego, San Diego's favor just because they might not oh, yeah. be a top team on Bovada, but at the same time. They should be considered a top five team because I think oh, yeah. when we do our early season preview, I would put I would put San Diego against a lot of people. I mean, yep. I think the Dodgers aren't going to be as strong as they were last year, so I think that West is going to be killer. And again, if you yeah, had Dodgers teams, losing Trey Trey Turner was huge, huge. I'm yeah. so glad you mentioned that, and that's another thing we'll talk about when we talk about top shortstops. Yeah. Just uh, and we've talked about how losing Trey Turner was really bad for for Los Angeles. I think that was the person that they should have probably most tried to keep mm-hmm. out of anybody. I, I I, while I love I Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, I think they're weak up the middle because they lost yep. Corey Seager. So they don't really have a great shortstop. Yeah, they got Rojas, right? <laughs> Rojas, but Rojas. <laughs> but that's not a permanent guy, and that's not fielding, yeah. 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 Yep. But we've seen plenty of slick fielding shortstops who can't right. hit right so, yeah, so. so you're so you add Tatis to that mix yep. and now to the san diego yeah. to the san diego mix i mean you're gonna have a fucking powerhouse yeah it's, a, it's like it's like a, a found player you know just adding someone to your lineup that you didn't have to spend money on it's like a free agent signing that you didn't have to pay for it's getting right. Tatis back uh but he's got to serve that suspension first i think he still has 20 20 more games to uh to go on his suspension that's what it is 20 more games for a suspension yep. and yep. so we're talking about him joining him in end of april may end of april early may yeah cuz i think he should be ready to go if he says he's close to 100% so he should be ready to go once the suspension's over i don't know if they're going to uh they're going to run him in the minors for a couple of games, you know, like I would. AAA or you know, just to get a, get his feet under him and then put him back in or what? Yeah, so I, I totally would. I, you know, I would actually start him in Double A for yeah. like a game or two and then see yeah. how he does, right? And yep. then just get that confidence, get that confidence right. going. Then go to Triple A, yep. get him there for a handful of games because I don't. Yeah, I think he's Tatis isn't going to be right away playing. No. I you got to build it. You got to build it back up. He hasn't played in a year and a half. So, yeah. you know, or, or more, he's, yeah, it's going to take 
take some time to get them back and to uh, get that rhythm back. So yeah, absolutely, uh, man, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. good luck to him. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Baseball's baseball's better, I think, with him in it. So I I do too. Um, yeah, we, we just... yeah, man. So yeah, it's too, time. So. It's time for then and now. Yeah, we're moving over. We're doing it. We're uh, we're continuing on with our right. and now series, right? Okay. And this week, yep. what are we doing this week, Steve? We are doing first baseman. Hell yeah, uh, the 1980s as well as obviously now today's first. Spin it. So, oh yeah. Oh, it's oh it's spinning. And uh, before you say your picks, now I, I want to ask you this. Sure. How hard was it to choose? In your opinion, to choose the best first baseman of the '80s, very hard. I think, yeah, I don't know if you uh, watch you watch me going through, through the rundown, uh, uh, doing the edits here. I I tweaked my list two or three times. I think same, same. It's like I, I started. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go here. No, um, but it was uh, yeah, it was it was very very difficult for me. I kind of had a feeling of who I was gonna go for the people at the top, but trying to round out the list is where I got uh, I ran into some problems. So. Right. And that was hard because yeah. and it's kind of like the same with every list, especially in the 80s, because the 80s, the 80s wasn't plush with talent. Right. Right. I mean, exactly. You had yeah. good talent in certain positions, which we'll get yep. to later. Once we start talking short stops and, and yep. things like that, you're going to stay in outfielders for sure. You start in pitchers. Right. I mean, it was plush with pitchers. But right. when you look at some of these other skill positions, uh, first base and second base, it was hard. I mean, catchers, catchers is sure. very hard. And and you're yeah. going to see guys. I, I saw guys that start either started the decade hot and then petered out or guys that yep. picked up in the late eighties yep. and just weren't great in the beginning of the eighties. So it was very yep. hard to kind of uh, really choose the list. So yeah, I was the same yeah. way. Kind of to round it out was tough. It was yeah, very, very difficult, but uh, I, I, I got it done. So well, <laughs> stating that kick us off. What do you got for your Number five, uh, best first baseman of the 1980s. Okay, so yeah, for me at number five, it's a guy whose career kind of ended midway through the 80s. You know, you think of him, you know, he's kind of a, you know, a bulk of his time there was was in the 70s, but it's uh, uh, Al Oliver there, mm. uh, uh, first baseman, had, had a great stretch there in the uh, uh, the early 80s, a uh, couple of years there with Montreal, and, you know, rounding out his career there in uh, Toronto, Dodgers. Uh, you know, 1982, he had 204, 204 hits, 109 uh, RBIs, top three there for uh, for MVP. Uh, you know, he's an all star, uh, four four time all star there uh, d- during the 80s. Just uh, you know, it, it, you know what wasn't high for for the home runs. You know, usually when you think first base, when you think Cecil Fielder, guy that hit, mm. hit you 50, 40, 50 home runs, he's not going to get you that high, but yeah. Yeah, that was right around right around twenty, but he'd get you the hits consistently over one hundred and fifty, close to two hundred hits a season. So, uh, for me, you know, even though his career ended there in eighty five, I'd go with uh, with Al Oliver. He comes in for me number five. Good pick, good pick, Al Oliver. Definitely, definitely good. Uh, my number five pick was somebody that basically started. He was a player that started in the 70s, okay. and he didn't really get hot until he started with another team, yeah. and then he just kind of. I wouldn't say, yeah, I would say he, he kind of petered out the last <laughs> two years. And this is yeah. uh, Cecil Cooper. Okay, okay. Yeah, Cecil Cooper. He started with Boston, 
And was it, one thing I like about Cecil Cooper in, in doing a lot of research and I actually got to I was kind of watching highlights of this guy and he always he was a guy that would always get on base. One thing about yeah. Cecil Cooper, he can always get on base. And there was a point in his career where his strikeouts were a little high at the beginning at the end of the 70s. And then he started they started dropping down. But one thing I like about him, he was predominantly a smart hitter. I mean, he yeah. he worked out the strikeout problem that was kind of plaguing him for a few years there. And then he was like, all right. How do I get on base? And I, that's what I really like about him. And you're seeing a stretch from, I would say, 1980 to 1983, where he was hitting nothing but 300. I mean, his, arguably his best year was in 19 or er, in 1980, right? Was yep. is with the Brewers. Once he went to the Brewers after Boston, he started turning it up. And this was in by his late by his late 20s, he started turning it up. And you're looking at a guy 122 RBIs that year. Leading the league, of course, three fifty two average. I mean, the guy was was a powerhouse, and and he was a guy that could hit for for power at times. I mean, you're talking about a guy that had easily twenty and thirty home run potential, yeah. and he hit that max with thirty two home runs in nineteen eighty two. But is I think in nineteen eighty three he had one hundred twenty six mm-hmm. RBIs. But like I said, you saw at the end of his career, you seen him petering out a little bit. No, 1985, near the end of his career, still 99 RBIs and 293 average. And yep. he just started kind of withering away at the end. I think 1985 was his last all-star appearance. but And finally, his last game, his last season was in 1987. But you're talking about a guy that had a pretty legitimate career. I mean, left-handed hitter, left-handed thrower. And and he ended with a 298 batting average, career batting average. So, yeah, Cecil Cooper comes in for me uh, as my number five best first baseman of the 1980s. That's a solid pick. Yeah, I always thought of him with the Brewers. I forgot that he kicked things off with Boston. So, mm-hmm. I, uh, I like that. Uh, for me, at number four, uh, Minnesota twin, great Kent Herbeck. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, just decided, you know, Minnesota man right here. He's born in Minneapolis. Got to spend his whole career there with the uh, with the Twins. Won a couple of a uh, couple of World Series. You know, he's a guy that's not going to win you a Gold Glove. He made one All Star game in '82, uh, where he finished uh, second in Rookie of the Year voting. You know, not really high for MVP. He's just very consistent, very consistent player. He'd get on, get you 20, 30 homers a season, ninety, you know, close to hundred RBIs. Batting average solid there, you know, hit over 300 a couple of times. Just a uh, uh, good, reliable, and a a one-two punch there with uh, with Kirby Puckett on those uh, those great Twins teams in the uh, 80s and uh, then into the 90s. But yeah, solid solid decade for him there in the 80s. Kicked his career off in uh, in 81, first full season 82, and just uh, yeah, Mister Mister Reliable there with the Twins. I'm going to go with uh, Kent Herbeck comes in for me at number four. I, the Kent, it wasn't on my list because Kent was, I really liked Kent. I really did. And I, God, I really wanted to put him on, but his numbers, he just had a nice little stretch. And then mm-hmm. it was just kind of, he was one of those, those hitters that you just didn't know what to do with him. And near the mm-hmm. end of his, near the end of the eighties for the most Not part. So, uh, but really liked her back. I, I really, yeah. really respected his game. Um, number four for me is somebody that you had for number five. And that's Al Oliver. Nice. Nice. Put some respect on his name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, career average of 303. Now, if I was talking about Cecil Cooper being this guy who could hit 300 and pick his very smart hitter and pick his pitches, Al Oliver was three times that. I mean, Al, uh, uh, let's put it this way. From 1976, mm-hmm. this dude went on a run of having, from 1976 to 
1984. This dude had a run of hitting over 300 every single year. Okay. Every okay. single year. And, and I mean, there was years where he was hitting 324, 323. And you know me. I love yeah. 300 hitters. I just I know you do. I, know I, I don't do. think conversations of good, great players and good players should start until they're hitting over 300. Mm-hmm. That's just, I just boggles me that people are respecting people <laughs> who hit 250 and 270. It's like, no, man. Now, 300 is where it should start. That should be the pinnacle. So uh, this is a guy that 204 hits in 82. I mean, he was a dark horse for MVP, at least in the top 20 conversation. Most of his career from the 70s all the way to about the beginning of the 80s. And then you've seen a made, then you've seen a little bit of a drop off the last three years of his career. In 1984, when he was with Philly, he did really good. And you're talking about a versatile guy. I mean, you're talking about a guy who predominantly played his year in Pittsburgh. But when he did, I mean, he was playing center field. He was playing right. He played all yeah. over the outfield. First base was his main his main thing. And then I think when he ended up going to Texas, he, he got to finally DH a little bit. and But mostly... By the end of his career, he was DHing full time, but first base was his claim to fame. And, and and though he played for a lot of different teams, Pittsburgh was probably his his best. But but even in the eighties, though, I mean, he played with Montreal, Texas. The guy just hit everywhere he went, right. and he was always depended on. So I can't believe I'm talking this much about Al Oliver. But it's, uh, <laughs> you transition him. In, you transition him into d- today's game. I mean, yeah. he would be in the realm of a a Matt Olson or right. a Pete Alonso type kind of player, just because he can always get on base, right? I mean, even you know, he never won the MVP. That's kind of and the accolades were never there. But he's been to the the All Star game. He 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 was second up in 1969 with the Rookie uh, of the yep. Year voting. So Al Oliver, I got to end this because I'm going way too much in Al Oliver here. <laughs> you um, love Al Oliver, man. Yeah, uh, Al Oliver is my uh, number four. Steve, who do you got number three? Okay, number three. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I start a string of mustaches and mutton chops here, uh, kicking it off at number three, and that for me is uh, Eddie Murray. I fucking love uh, Eddie Murray. I do too, man. Baltimore Oriole, uh, Oriole great there. Killer mustache. Had those mutton chops there oh, in the dude. 70s and in the 80s. You know, rookie of the year, they're 1977, but we're talking about the 80s. And you you talked about it. Your uh, pinnacle there is uh, people that uh, that hit over 300. Well, he hit over 300 five times there in the uh, in the 80s. So, yeah, uh, consistently uh, hitting the ball. Consistently driving him in, always getting between 90, 100. He had 124 RBIs in 85. Uh, consistently getting you know, that 25, over 30 home runs a, a year. And, and he's playing every day. Uh, yeah. That's what you can count on with Eddie Murray. He'd play uh, usually between 140 and uh, uh, 160. You know, always in the 150s here. Uh, played a full season, 84, all 162 games. Uh, during the 80s, he was uh, uh, five. Wow, actually, a, a six-time All-Star there during mm. the eighties. Uh, you know, always in the MVP talk. Didn't quite get over the top, but won three Gold Gloves in the eighties, two Silver Sluggers. Uh, just a just a great player. Uh, so for me, uh, Eddie Murray comes in at number three. Eddie Murray, we'll gotta love him. Speaking yeah. of uh, mustaches, my <laughs> number my number three uh, is uh, Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. Yeah, Keith Hernandez. Nice. Keith Hernandez. And this is a guy who won two world championships in the 80s, 82 and yep. 86. 
he kind of was put on the map once he won his uh, 79 MVP, his 1979 mm-hmm. MVP, which would be his only MVP. But one thing I really liked about Keith Hernandez, he was the constant. He was like yep. you said about Eddie Murray. He was just he just got on base. Right. You yep. can always depend on him. And and and, and Keith Hernandez did that now. Yeah, he, I mean, our big, good 300 hitter. If he wasn't hitting 300, he was coming close to it. I mean, we're talking 299, 297. The guy just got on base. Just, I mean, his, o, his OPB 408 in, it was tops in the 19, in 1980 when he played with St. Louis. Just a really great player. And he, he ended his career in 1982 with, with the Cardinals. And then, well, his, his time with uh, the 10, his tenure in, in, uh, St. Louis, uh, but then he came in with the Mets, and that's where everybody knows Keith Hernandez. Yes. Keith Hernandez became Keith Hernandez with the Mets, <laughs> and he was their leader, right? I remember watching Once Upon a Time in Queens, and just how I loved how they portrayed him, and and he was very honest about his career. We're talking about the cocaine and what have you, and but that didn't stop his play. He was always just a very good player, and he was another guy that didn't strike out a lot. And for a power hitter, as he was considered sometimes, or not a power hitter, for a guy that could get on base for as much as he got on base, mm-hmm. he didn't strike out a lot, which is very yeah. good to see. That's what you kind of want to see, right? He was just a guy who could, a very substantial first baseman. I mean, we're talking a guy who won, what is it, 11 gold gloves at first yeah. base from 78 yep. to 88, 10 straight gold gloves. I mean, come on, man. So. Or 11 straight. I mean, this is a guy yeah. that's just he 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 kills it. And for me, I, and he's not a Hall of Famer. I mean, I know the he's in the Mets Hall of Fame, and I know that the Mets retired his number 17. But he has he was a guy when you look back. Remember when we talk about the heroes and legends? Yeah, right. Heroes will be remembered, but legends never die. He's that. He was a hero, right? He was a hero to a lot of kids, and and he was just that guy at, at that time in the 80s. He kind of signified. Uh, an 80s player, right? So yeah. Keith Hernandez for me, man, number three. Okay. Well, he's, he was good enough for you to be three. He's good enough to be number two on my list. So yeah, everything that you said and, and more, I'm glad you talked about his defense. That was one of the big reasons. Uh, his bat, I mean, he wasn't going to be a guy that was going to hit you 20, 30 home runs, but like you said, he's yeah. going to get you on, he's going to get on base. He's going to play a a good first base, uh, like, uh, you know, 10, 11 gold gloves here in a row. Um, consistently right around 300 or more, uh, drawn walks in 82. He had a hundred walks. So yeah, I mean, you, you, you said it and, and more Keith Hernandez, uh, for me though, just came in a pinch higher and he was my number two, uh, uh first baseman. So that being said, I mean, yeah, Keith definitely cracked our top three. Now, number two for me, he was number three for you. He's number two for so me. Is Eddie a Murray? Flippity flop. Huh? We did. Yeah. We did. Eddie Murray. I mean, we both love Eddie Murray. I, yeah. I think he started in the seventies, rookie of the year in seventy-seven, and then he just went on this tear in the eighties up until I'd say the late eighties. He kind of petered out a little bit, right? But he kind of made a resurgence in nineteen ninety, and that's when he was with L.A. I think yep. he found his because when he was, I think Baltimore, he just got stale in the end. He ended yeah. up going to L.A., finding another resurgence. But you're talking about a guy that had, what, like a 22, let's see, yeah, like a 22-year career. Ooh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's, and, and in those 22 years, I mean, he's hit over 3,000 hits, had over 3,000 hits, under over 500 home runs. I mean, he is that guy, right, that yep. that hitter you're thinking of. I mean, he was the essential power hitter in the 80s. 
He, he was just a guy that was just clubbing the fucking ball. And I mean, he wasn't, he, he had 30 home run power. I kind of reminded him, he kind of reminded me of Hank Aaron in the terms of he was yeah. consistent with getting 30 home runs, 20 yeah. home runs. He wasn't going to get you 40 home runs, but he was going to yeah. drive in a lot of runs, which was what you need. Right. And yeah. he, he got on base, whether it'd be walking, hitting his way on, he was always going to get you on base. And, and then this is a guy too. Some would say he was some one of the better sacrifice hitters out there. Yep. Oh yeah. Just, he when you needed sack flies, when you needed sack flies. I mean, this was the guy, man. I mean, this guy could get could pop the ball up. I mean, I was watching some tape on him or watching some video on him, and he he was able. He was the master at he he could hit the all fields, which was really good. But I loved his directional hitting to where he could put the ball anywhere he wanted to. And I always thought like Tony Gwynn was really good at that too. But looking at Eddie Murray, Eddie Murray is really good at that too. He would get that uppercut swing when you knew that he wanted to pop it up. He could always, and he would always be the deepest pop fly into center field to bring in runs. And this was a guy that I think managers love putting in a lineup because he can contribute in more ways than one. So, I mean, he was also no slouch in the field. I mean, he's a three-time gold glove winner as well. So you could always trust a guy like Eddie Murray. What do you bring to the lineup, right? And Mm -hmm. this guy won games for teams so in a number of ways. So for that, he is my number two on the list. (laughs) So we've come to number one. Number one. Okay. Which we we both have the same number one. Yeah, we do. We do. And it's the mustache man himself, uh, Don Mattingly. Yeah. What can you say about Don Mattingly? He was... (laughs) Mr. Consistent there. Donnie the Baseball, games. baby. How how is he not in the Hall of Fame? I, the jury's still out on that one. Why? Yeah. Uh, you know, MVP in 85, in which uh, batted 343 in 84. All-star pretty much all throughout the 80s. Silver Slugger, same thing. Gold Gloves, consistently in the MVP conversation. Uh, fits your tool of a guy that'll bat over uh, 300. I think he batted over 306 times or so in the yeah. uh, the 80s. Yeah. And he debuted in 82. Power, drive runs in, consummate professional playing every day. Uh, yeah, Don Mattingly is uh, when I think of uh, uh, 80s first baseman. He's the first guy that came to mind for me. So He had this stretch from 84. <laughs> Yeah. Right. 84, I'd say till about 89, where he was just one of, if not the best player in baseball. I mean, yep. he definitely top three when you look at him. And that's why it's a shame that he's not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, his 1985 season was so good. 343 yeah. average. You fucking kidding me? He in yeah. 153 games, he hit 343. <laughs> I, I mean, I that was, well, no, that was his 84. Was 80, 80, 84 so his 80. Yeah. But his 85 season, 145 runs batted in, 207 hits in 84, 211 in 85, 238 in 86. I mean, this guy always hit over a, a hit over 100 hits every year, except in 83 and 82, which he was just starting out with the clubs in those years. So, man, not only, I not only driving or hitting home runs, but doubles too. look at that 84, 44 doubles, 85, 48 doubles, 86, 53 doubles. Yeah. You know, so, you know, he's not just hitting you singles. He's right. either hitting you home runs or he's getting the extra base hit. Like Eddie Murray, he just found ways to contribute to a lineup. And yep. he was also a nine-time gold glove winner. So uh, this is a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame. You and uh-huh. I have argued, uh, uh, not argued amongst ourselves. Right. Argued we both like, agree. Yeah. <laughs> just debating, like, well, how come this guy's not in the Hall of Fame? I mean, yeah. you can easily say it's the stats, right? Just over 2,000 hits. 
but over a thousand RBIs is nothing to shake a stick at. I mean, it's, I think people were wanting more home runs out of him. He ended with 222, but this is a guy who just had the accolades early on. He was the best player, I think, top three player from 84 to 89. I mean, he was one of the greatest in the game. And I just, the fact that he just doesn't get the love in in the baseball, in in the baseball hall of fame is just, Mm It's criminal, man. It's yep. absolutely criminal. And we hope he gets there one day. But I remember when I was a kid, I mean, my first bat was a Don Mattingly bat. Oh. Louisville slugger, Don Mattingly signature, burned yeah. into it. You know, the yeah. <laughs> not his yeah. actual signature, but right. Right. Um, but was, right. Growing up, I mean, he was aside from Tiger players. He was one of my favorite players. And I was an 80s and 90s kid. So I just. Yep loved Don Mattingly and he was the captain of that team arguably I mean when I looked at that it's just I I just looked at his just what he did you know I mean yeah just it it sucked that he was uh he was the one bright spot on like probably the worst stretch of baseball for Yankees uh in their history you know yeah so it just sucked that it came at that time for his career because once he retired they went on that run (laughs) they went on that run yeah, well, you know, and they and they had just finished their first run there when he joined them, you know, with the Reggie Jackson and Willie Randolph years there, you know, where they won back to back in 77, 78. He joined mm-hmm. the uh, the team there uh, in 82 first, you know, full season in 83. And, right. uh, you know, just, just a bad stretch of baseball for the Yankees uh, with, with him leading the way there he was the, the good part of it so right and you and i always called him you know don almost mattingly because yeah. was, <laughs> he he let he retired and then it was or he left and then it was the yankees won a world series he left in the dodgers oh, and then the yep. dodge as a manager and they end up winning a world series after he's yep, gone yep. So, dave roberts takes over and the rest is history <laughs> right i mean now he's leaving a marlins team as a manager when the marlins They're, are could be one of the better teams in baseball yep it's like he sets these things up and then he moves yeah. on and it's just he doesn't get to see the you know, like Buck Showalter, am I right? The fruits of his labors, man. <laughs> oh man. So Dom Mattingly comes in at number one yep. for yep. now well well deserving. Well deserving, yeah. Now, going to the top first baseman right now in the league. I'll kick it off. I'm just gonna sure. say Jose Abreu, man. I mean you know, good for number you. five That's for me. Good. Yeah, you know what? Fucking good for me. Um <laughs> Jose Abreu number five. Uh, best years, obviously, with the White Sox, the only team he played for. Now he's with the Houston Astros. So we're going to see how he does with them. I mean, he's 36 years old. So basically, they're getting him late in his career. He's going to get that last hurrah, hopefully, for he's ring chasing at this moment. Right. But Jose Abreu, a feared hitter, uh, career 304 average, or I'm sorry, career 292 average. Uh, he's a guy that can get you home runs and he can bring in runs and that's why you get him. So uh, number five for me, just the consistency I love too. So number five for me is Jose Abreu for top first baseman right now. Steve, who do you got? Well, if I'm uh, on Bavada, I'm looking at your top uh, first baseman here, placing a bet of who I think here. I'm going to go with Maddles. Sorry. Oh. Uh, he comes in for me at uh, number five. I know you go. Uh, you're you're big on the the average there. His average is a little bit lower. He's not you know a 300 hitter, but you know he's 28, almost 29. But he's going to play for you every day. He had a great stretch there with Oakland in 21, and then again with Atlanta in 22. He's going to hit you over 30 home runs, drive you in over 100 RBIs. Uh, two-time Gold Glove winner already, so you know he can pick it at the uh, first base. Uh, just you know a, a solid solid player and solid enough for me to uh, come in. At numero five, 
uh, Matt Olson. Matt Olson, number four for me. I'm going to go all the way to Queens, and I'm going to go okay. with Pete Alonzo for the Mets. Pete Alonzo. He okay. Pete Alonzo is an interesting figure. I mean, this guy can hit the shit out of the ball. Yeah, he had 53 home runs his rookie year, but he hasn't Ooh. really got close to that since. Yeah. Uh, last year he had 40 home runs, 131 RBIs. I think. I want to say this is the start of a stretch. We're going to see a memorable stretch until he's 30, at least. I hope so. Of, of some good ball from him. And he hit 271 last year yeah, for a power hitter, not bad, and 162 hits. But Pete Alonzo, one of the best first basemen in the National League for sure. And he comes in at number four on my list. Okay. Uh, four for me. I'm uh, going from Queens out to Los Angeles. And that's going to be Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Freddie Freeman for me comes in at. At uh at number four, great season last season there there with the Dodgers a nice four uh, four oh seven on base percentage. Is this only going to make the All Star team? Obviously won that MVP there with the Braves in in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's gonna hit you some home runs a little bit a little bit of a dip in the uh, the power last year with only only twenty one home runs, but still drove in a hundred RBIs. Uh, solid, obviously, he's going to hit you over 300. That's that's one of your big benchmarks there, uh, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, 325 last year. Getting getting a little bit older. He's getting you know, as far as baseball is concerned, he's 30, you know 33 years old here coming mm-hmm. into the season. But uh, I think there's still some some fuel left in the tank, and and for me, still uh, solid comes in number four. That's kind of uh, there's. Not really a theme with our first baseman. I mean, it's mm-hmm. we have a good mix of young and old in yeah. this yeah. as well. All contributors, and you look at this. I, I don't. It, it kind of matches up really well to the the first baseman of the '80s because mm-hmm. you have some stars front loaded with stars, but then it kind of you have people that kind of peters out near the end and a little bit, and and you wonder what their legacies are going to be when it's all said and done with the new guys. So yeah. Um, uh, number three for me, I, I picked Paul Goldschmidt. Now, Paul Goldschmidt has an interesting career. I mean, he he's a guy that can hit for average. He can hit for power. He's a leader in the clubhouse. He has all those things. Very Keith Hernandez-esque, right? The only thing that Paul Goldschmidt doesn't have is a world championship. And I know that's what he went to the Cardinals for. I know he's he's hoping that to stay he stayed with the Cardinals for this and he's hoping to get there. He won his first MVP last year at around 34, 35 years old. So he's looking to kind of get to that next point of his career, which would be a ring. And this is a guy who had a really good year last year, 35 hits, 317 average, 106 runs, 115 RBIs. I I really love his OPS of 981. Yeah, we'll see where he goes. I mean, his career batting average is just under 300 at, for 295, which is really good. So yeah. I love Paul Goldschmidt. I wanted to put him a little bit higher on my list, and I'll probably say why I didn't in my next pick. But uh, Paul Goldschmidt right now is number three for me. Uh, number three for me is the polar bear. Hey. Alonzo. Yep, he's uh, a little bit, you know, he's four for you, but he's three for me because, like you said, I think he he's on the cusp of doing something, uh, a good stretch of baseball here. Uh, you talked about him, you know, 53 home runs as a rookie in 2019. Hasn't quite gotten up to that, but he did hit 40 last year. Drove in 131 RBIs. Uh, two-time All-Star, obviously won that Rookie of the Year in 2019. Likes to see the average up a little bit higher, but still a respectable 271 uh, uh, last year. Just a guy that can can mash the ball. and He's a guy that's going to play every day. 161 games in his rookie season, 160 games in 2022. Uh, he's going to be out there uh, playing for you every day. 
I, I think he's going to uh, uncork that power again. And uh, the, the sky's the limit here. I, I see a good stretch of baseball here for Pete Alonso. He's uh, my number three first baseman. I love the polar bear. The polar bear plus, yeah, just, he just seems like a character. You know, I, I, it seems like a guy I'd want to have a beer with would be Pete Alonso. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, my, number two for you. My number two is going to be Freddie Freeman, who you had yeah. a little bit lower on your yeah. list now. Uh, there's a reason I put, I, I was kind of battling it too. I was having this like inner turmoil. Like, what do I do oh, with, <laughs> with, with, with Freddie Freeman and yeah. Paul Goldschmidt? And yep. it came down to a couple things of who's the best in the game right now. And right. the reason why I chose Freddie Freeman is because one, Freddie Freeman's younger yeah, okay. by a couple years. And, and two, Freddie Freeman is coming off. He already won a world series. So yeah. He's kind of a little bit more established in his career. And when I looked at their when I looked at their stats, like their career stats, they're kind of the same. They're they're very they match up very well, Paul, Paul Goldschmidt and Freddie Freeman, very much so. So uh, now the last year, Freddie Freeman had a really good year. I mean, 325 average, 21 home runs, 117 mm-hmm. runs, 100 RBIs. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, that's kind of what you why they signed him why they have him on that team, why he wanted to go to a team because he wanted a ring, another ring. But that's why the Dodgers wanted him because he, he provides, he provides right. good hits. He, he can, he can, he can bring in runs in a number of different ways. He can, he walks a lot as well. So that I think Freddie Freeman is one of the better first basemen in our league. And you're talking about a guy, potential hall of famer. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't have great. I mean, I, I look at him. It's an interesting thing, right? Cause if he, if he, if he retired tomorrow, would I say Freddie Freeman's a Hall of Famer? I'd say no, just because he doesn't have two thousand hits yet. He's still in the he's not he's not no he doesn't have three hundred home runs yet. Right. He has over a thousand RBIs, which you like to see, but he's nowhere he's nowhere close to fifteen hundred runs batted in. So it's hard to kind of put him there. But he has the accolades, right? He has the mm. now that you got the All MLB teams, right? The All MLB teams are going to be added to the accolades list, That's and he. He's part of that as well, but I consider him mostly my number two right now, just because he's younger and his stats very much mirror Paul Goldschmidt's. And I think he's in a position to to really succeed a little bit more. Okay. So Freddie Freeman gets my number two spot. Okay. And for me at number two, I went with uh, Paul Goldschmidt. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just for uh, you know, your reason you talked about, you said Freddie Freeman's a little bit younger, but. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, he's coming off that MVP season. I know he's, he uh, you know, he's he's, thir- he's thirty five years old, and he doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to be slowing down. So until they uh, until he has that dip, he's still going to be up on my list. Uh, yeah. You know, defending that uh, the MVP right there. So he's just a guy. He's going to be out there every day. You know, one fifty, one sixty uh, for games. He's out there uh, playing. He's going to uh, get you your home runs. Going to get you your RBIs. He's going to bat you right around three hundred. Like I said, he's coming off the MVP season. I know he's a little bit older, but so you can take that trophy away from him. He, uh, he he's still high on my books. So Paul Goldschmidt, numero dos, and uh, number one. I I guess we're we can both say we it right on that one, huh? <laughs> we both say it. we we yeah. both went for uh, Vlad Junior. Junior, yeah, Vladimir yeah. Guerrero Junior. I. I, I yeah, what what yeah. can't you say what about can't him? Can't you say <laughs> exactly? He got robbed yeah. of the MVP in 2021. Yep. 
Yep, we can all agree with that, yes. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a guy who hit 48 home runs that year, 123 runs, 111 RBIs. I mean, the guy is a monster. I mean, he led the league in OPB, slugging, OPS, tr- total bases, which you know I'm a big fan of total bases. But he hits mm-hmm. over 300, which is amazing. Uh, last year, not a bad year either, 32 home runs. I think this year, though, Steve, I think you're going to see him break out a little bit more. Now, last yep. year, he had a good year for his first gold glove year, which yep. we love, but... I, I think I think he's figured out figured things out. I, I yep. and you're talking about a young, he's a young twenty-three. Yeah. Yeah, he's twenty-three years old. Uh he really should have won that MVP. Otani, whatever. I mean he Otani's great, but right. the guy the guy didn't hit over three hundred when he won the MVP. Right. Uh, give him the Cy Young, that's fine, you know, if you mm-hmm. want to do that. But uh, you know, I think there's plenty more opportunities for uh for Vlad to win the uh, the MVP going forward. Like I said, twenty three years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he's going to probably push, I think over 40, uh, you know, he had 48 home runs in 2021. I think he, I don't know if he's going to eclipse that, but I think he's going to get closer to 40. Like you said, he's, he's figured things out. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with yeah. here, uh, with the blue Jays. It's when, when we were doing this then and now, when I, I saw now in first base, he was the first person I thought of. So, right. I mean, same, it's he's just, he's that he's electric and at 23 years yes. old, he has so much career ahead of him. Yep. Uh, we're going to see something special. I mean, this is a guy that if we're talking about people on pace to hit 500 home runs, I could see him getting 500 home runs by the end of his career. I think he could be there just because he's just, he's kind of the Manny Ramirez without the roids. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. And in his approach to the game, he's a fun loving guy. He kind of has yep. that Miguel Cabrera in him too. Yep. And, and one thing last year, he he grounded into a lot of double plays last year. Oh. He's going to have to cut that out. But that's something you know he's working on. This is one thing I I I don't think it's enough respect for him. He was a heavy type. He was like a, a Prince Fielder coming in the league, a little heavier set, yep. and he lost some weight. He yep. got that figured out, and and he decided, okay, let, let's I'm going to hit the ball. I'm going to I'm going to select my pitches better. You've seen his yep. strikeouts. Um, you've seen his strikeouts go down, but a, a little higher last year than we'd like. Yep. But he also can take walks now, which is really important, an important part of his game because he can get on base. So. This is a guy that is just arguably, I think, doesn't get one of the better players in the league and doesn't get enough props. You know, completely agree. Completely agree. He's going to be high on my fantasy list for this year. I'll say that for sure. Do you think he's a first rounder, Steve? Do you think he's a first rounder? Oh, uh, it's close. I, I, if I had the opportunity to pick him in the first round, yeah, I think he's a lower first round for sure. Uh, for sure, depending on the number of teams in your league, he's not someone that I would pick. Like, if I had like the third pick, and uh, there's still a lot of better players out there but he's he's definitely someone if i had like the ninth tenth pick in a 12 team league he'd be a first round pick for me yeah. right especially if you're cutting a snake draft where you're coming back down exactly right and exactly. it's like okay i can get a premier first baseman for yep. sure mixed up with anybody you know so that's probably something we're going to talk about in future shows with yep. with fantasy baseball for sure but yeah so Vlad is our number one spot for the then, for the now then and now series uh, for the guys now and then obviously Mattingly hit our number one for so then we, and then next week we agreed with us okay we did yeah, top we spots did. were the only ones we agreed on I think yeah yeah which makes sense right <laughs> yeah. uh, next yeah. week we move over to the second baseman right best second All baseman right. of the '80s which that one's kind of like first baseman a little harder on the back end a little bit harder and there's gonna be some debates in there so I think so it's gonna be fun though. For sure, for sure. And so shall we uh, head on over to Collection Corner? Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Up for me this week is uh, Kent Herbeck. Hey. Uh, good, old, good old Kent. Good old Kent. 
was up $5.02 or a 60.41% increase to a market value of $13.33. Up cards includes 1984 Don Russ, uh, number 70 is 1982 Tops Rookie, number 766. Down for me this week, though, is Fernando Tatis Jr. Ouch. Uh, down $5.35 or a 10.28% decrease to a market value of $46.20. Still nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, down cards includes 2019 Top Series 2 rookie card, number 410. I have that card. And is a 2020 Donruss jersey patch, number 86M-FT. How about you, Mike? What are you looking at? Uh, well, up for me this week is Eddie Murray. Get uh, it. Up $21. Up twenty one dollars and twenty six cents. That's a sixty nine, a uh, little bit over sixty nine percent increase. Market price right now sits around fifty one dollars and eighty three cents. You can get his eighty three tops Murray slash Palmer, the batting and pitching leaders card, which is really nice. His seventy eight tops rookie and I his eighty five Fleer number one eighty four. Nice. I love those eighty five Fleer cards. Those are beauties. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fleer is always really nice. Uh, down surprisingly is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So Ooh. we're mostly talking his rookie cards. Uh, a lot of rookie cards are taking hits this time of year, but then they'll kind of be back up once the season starts. So down right now about fourteen dollars and six cents. It's around twenty six point three eight percent decrease. Market price. Right now, it's around $39.23. His 2019 Tops Chrome Rookie is down. His 2019 Tops Heritage High Number. And his 2022 Tops Series 2, which is the Sweet Shades card, which is one of the better cards uh, of that set you can get. And that one is down as well. Sounds like a nice card. You had fun over the uh, the weekend, didn't you? You uh, went on a little shoot. Right. Yeah, a little Tell shoot. About that. Yeah, a little shoot. Little shoot. Yeah, <laughs> little so excursion. Uh, I've been filming my collecting documentary about yeah. the sports memorabilia and trading cards, and it's going really good. Went up to Manistee this past weekend, and yes. where it was cold as balls. I mean, they got <laughs> snow. It was really cold. I was putting my drone up in the air, and that thing blew like two blocks away when I was trying to land it. Oh, no, no. My brother was with me, so I had to go, have him go retrieve my drone and oh, almost went into their geez. fucking river. But it's like the but it's like sheer ice on the river, so that oh, geez, wouldn't have mattered. Okay. But yeah, yeah, it was fun. I mean, <clears throat> so this nineteen-year-old started a shop, right? This it was a nineteen years old starts wow. his own shop in downtown Manistee. The kid is going to school to get his business degrees. Eventually, you know, essentially before he decided, and he just got into collecting in 2014, which is crazy. And he wanted to be an investment banker, but then he did this really cool thing where him and his dad started collecting together. And that's kind of what made him get into it. His dad was a big collector in the eighties and the nineties and got out of it. And then they kind of reintroduced it kind of as a father son thing to kind of keep going and during covid he came up with this thing like he wanted to get his own shop so we went to the grand opening to film it this past weekend and it was fun man i mean talking to him you wouldn't think he was 19 years old i mean he's knowledge beyond his years about every cards memorabilia i was pointing at stuff uh, that he has like really cool old uh, like photos and stuff on the wall and signed photos. And yeah. there's one of like Stan Musial and Ted, my oh, brother points cool. to one. He goes, how much for that Ted Williams? And he's like, like a thousand dollars. And we're like, Oh my God. Oh my you know? God. Wow. And yeah. And it's just, it was really fun uh, getting to see kind of behind the scenes at some of these card shops and, yeah. and, 
and just how they go about things. And they had like a trade night there. So people showed up for a trade night. We got to see some trades go down, which is pretty cool. Thanks. So it's uh, that's one thing growing up, you and I, back in the day, we used to, you know, our people, kids, our age, we used to trade cards. Yeah. Right? I mean, when you're a kid, a yeah, you would trade, you'd trade cards. I'll give you a such and such for such and such. And trades would always go down. And it's kind of cool to see it still alive and well in, yeah. in, in, in the hobby. Uh, not just on the apps like you and I do tops bunt and what have yeah. you. So it's really cool to see it go down, but yeah, yeah. El- elementary school, I bring my binders in whether it's basketball or baseball and you'd sit there and like recess time or, or get the time after lunch where you're waiting for the teacher to come back in and start and you pull out your binder and you know start, start trading some cards and hope yeah. you didn't get policed. And uh, it was, yeah, it was a good yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I would, I baseball cards are still his, the the guy we were talking about. His name is Luke Coy and yeah. the owner, and he uh, is a big football guy. So he had a lot okay. of football cards, a lot of football, old football sign, poster, everything, anything you can think of. The guy has, and he has this, uh, the claw, one of those claw machines, but it's filled with like hobby boxes, which is dope. Oh, that's what's up, man. Yeah. And, and he has this arcade machine and it's a NFL blitz, but it's, oh, you don't have to pay game. to use it. It's free. So Mark and I in between, yeah, Mark and I were playing like NFL blitz, like against oh, each other on it and stuff. It was pretty cool. Oh, but, man. Uh, going back to, going back to the trade thing. Yeah. It's, um, it's alive and well still. And that it's really yeah. cool to see. And, and and other kids, we got to film like kids opening packs and being excited. And it's, it's one of the better parts of the hobby. And, you know, cause I've been covering a lot of the down parts of the hobby with frauds yeah. and con men and what have you. So right. one thing I really, which I was telling Luke, which one, th- one thing I really loved is seeing, uh, just why we get into the hobby. Yep. You know? So yep. that was uh pretty special. So, yeah. Man, that sounds like a good time. Did you pick some stuff up for yourself? I did. I took like, I spent over like $200 good on money. it. All right. Mini Minoso right. card, uh, mm-hmm. signed, uh, Bobby Witt Jr., Top's Finest. I got some good stuff, man. I got some good stuff. Picked up a David Ortiz for my brother. Snacked some Pokemon cards for my nephew because Pokemon's huge. I mean, people are collecting Pokemon cards at a yeah. staggering rate right now, and really? it's always been a huge hobby. Yeah, and I, I was just have, never, I never, I never got into it, <laughs> bro. Me neither. And it's no. not. It's just, I just, yeah, I never got into it either. But it's still alive and well there. My brother and I, we were. So my my brother was on one camera and I was on another and he was on the gimbal and he was going and, and we were following Luke and his dad around and his dad's name is Mike. And we were following him around too. And, and, uh, my brother would focus in on certain conversations uh, that Luke was having with customers. And every time I, Luke was talking to somebody about a Pokemon, my brother was like, yeah, shut this boring shit off. You know, (laughs) (laughs) now we'll go to something else, you know, something else. Because that's you know, because the doc is more is about sports, sports memorabilia, yeah. and trading card collecting, and it's right. not about yeah, no uh, offense to Pokemon, no offense to yeah. Pokemon, but I, I don't get it. But it's my my nephew's into it, and cool. yeah, it's just it's it's interesting. But it was a fun weekend, man, and the doc's Good. coming along nice for sure. Oh, that's great. That's been, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing it. Do they have any pogs? Any pogs there? No river pogs, river pogs? No. Yeah, I remember pogs. Nobody does the pog game anymore. It's surprising. I used to love pogs. I love pog. I never really got into collecting them. You know, like people would have their cases. You know, how people brought in, like we said, binders of baseball cards. Yeah. People had those, remember those cylinder uh, cases that oh. they put their pogs in and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So love That's, that shit, dude. Oh, man, with their slammers and stuff. Oh, my man. God. Yeah. Good times. Anyway, uh, shall we uh, get the candles out, celebrate a birthday? Let's do it. All right. It's a happy heavenly birthday to Hall of Fame pitcher. Herb Pennick. Wow. 
Wow. Uh, born on uh, February the 10th, 1894. Uh, her best known for being a part of the rotation on the star-studded Yankee team to the 1920s and 30s. Uh, looking over his stats, 241 wins, ERA, you know, about 3.6. Uh, 1,227 uh, strikeouts. And so you look at those stats alone, it's like, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but uh, you look at his career highlights, though, uh, six-time World Series champion. So that's kind of like what, what got him into uh, the World Series, the, or uh, the uh, the Hall of Fame. Uh, made the uh, Hall of Fame in 1948 on his eighth ballot. Uh, a little wow. trivia for him was uh, he helped the New York Yankees win their first ever World Series championship in 1923. Hey, that says something there, there man. I mean, that, yeah. that family could be like, hey, our grand, great, great, whatever, grandfather. Yeah. He yeah. was the first World Series. Kicked it off. Helped kick kicked it off. Kicked it off for the Yankees. Yeah. So a uh, happy uh, heavenly birthday there to Herb Pennock. Happy birthday, Herb. It, you know, it's trivia time, isn't it? So It's trivia. Right, it's I got, that. I got to uh, see if I can get over 500. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So let me know. Are you ready, Steve? Oh, oh, I'm. I'm now. I'm ready. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Jackie Robinson was the first former Negro leaguer elected to the Hall of Fame. Right. Who was the second? Was it A. Satchel Page, B. Roy Campanella, C. Cool Papa Bell. Or D, Josh Gibson. Just say if I was on Bavada, or if you were, and you were gauging my uh, 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 the uh, chances of me getting this question right, not looking too good. <laughs> 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 um, cool, Papa Bell. Ooh, ooh, cool Bell. No it's, good. Uh, no good. The uh, the second former Negro leaguer elected to the Hall of Fame was Roy Campanella. Oh, really? Dodgers still? Man, I, sh- I you know, and I was thinking Roy, but I was like, they couldn't have gone with with his teammate. But okay, yeah, nineteen sixty nine. Really, I overthought that one. And if you ask me, I don't think Roy should have been on the Hall of Fame. Yeah, oh man, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> uh, and in stating that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Congrats, show Roy. that is a show man all right well that's a show hey on, you want back you watch under 500 back on five oh yeah no is that do you yeah two and three now with uh with with, with the, oh, yeah. the latest loss there if you two and three. Yeah, two and three are you uh you watching super bowl this weekend yeah but let's me yeah well <laughs> uh, we'll see i i probably will have it on uh i won't be watching it closely um but you know, we'll, uh, who you got winning? I had to go with my gut. I'm going to go yeah. with the Eagles. Yeah, Eagles. Yeah, I got to. Uh, Eagles have it. I, I, you know, I, I think uh, the, the, I'm the time, off, time off is going to be good for Mahomes, but he keeps losing all of his targets. You he know? does. Yeah, so I, he doesn't have as many weapons, I think, as uh, as Jalen Hurts does. So I think Eagles. I think this is. I think he'll. He needs this win because that will put him on pace yeah. with Brady. Um, yep. Yep. So I, I'm I'm gonna say Chiefs, but uh, okay. I was looking at some of the on uh, Bovada. I went to Bovada and I went to uh, some of their prop bets, which are kind of interesting. Okay. They had like prop bets are weird. So yeah. one of the prop bets are like, will any scoring drive take less than it takes to sing the national anthem? Seriously? Yeah, there's some weird ones. What will the first scoring play of the game be? Field goal or touchdown? Which that's an you know that's that's a pretty good one. Uh, yeah. Uh, who will finish with the most passing yards? Like th- those are pretty easy ones, right? But then they right. take some like random ones, like 
who will finish with more receiving yards? AJ Brown, which is legitimate, right? You're like, okay, yeah. AJ Brown, top receiver, yeah. or Juju Smith Schuster? Like, what? Really? Like, right, yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's a, a carrot right there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So some interesting prop bets if you guys want to go to Bavada for sure. Yeah. Well, I can say is if the Eagles win, the Lions can hang a banner that said, "We almost beat the Super Bowl champions." We almost beat the Super Bowl. Champions. <laughs> you should have heard the rumors. <laughs> you should have heard the rumors. Oh man. All right, man. Well, let's get the uh, fuck out of here. All right. We'll call it. Thanks everybody for listening. Yeah. And we will catch you guys all next week. Deuces. Mm-hmm.